Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into my top 10 new April films in today's episode. What's this? What's this? It's super califragilisticexpialidocious. What is this? What is this? Today's top 10 movies uh, I saw for the first time in April, like I said, and if you've been following, this is going to be an interesting and different one of these episodes than I've done before for two reasons. First being, I didn't see a lot of stuff uh, in the second half of April, like at all. I you know, was spending a lot of that time working on my book, and so the number of movies I saw dwindled, and the ones that I did see during that time were generally pretty bad. Uh, I watched a lot of the old um, Bulldog Drummond movies from, like, the 30s, and they're mostly not good. I also watched a ton of Godzilla movies. Uh, I think I'm up to, like, the early 2000s, finally, uh, with with Japanese kaiju Godzilla movies, and those are also generally not very good. So, uh, the pickings are slim. However, the other side of that is that everything I watched in the first like week to 10 days of the month were all movies I watched for my scavenger hunt for April. And I've talked about most of those already, and I didn't want to retread old ground, so... This is actually a list of the top 10 movies I saw in April for the first time that weren't on the April scavenger hunt. And uh, that's, that's it. So, so th- there's, there's a wide gap. Some, some of the, like the first five movies from April were all from the scavenger hunt. So a lot, lot of stuff here that I haven't talked about or maybe only talked about a little bit. Um, but just trying to expand uh, the breadth of these episodes because we're going to start with a movie that isn't even rated above 60 and go from there. Uh, additionally, before we absolutely get into it, uh, I am currently in the process of keeping two cats separated from each other uh, if I cannot monitor them. And so if there is a door banging in the background... That is the outside cat trying to get in. And if you hear purring or rubbing against the microphone or anything like that, that is the inside cat because she is very, very loving. And she is the better cat. Okay, let's get in to this month's, or well, last month's, April's top 10. Countdown 10, 9, Say hi, Ella. Say hi. I don't know if you can hear that, but that is Ella. All right, number 10. Number 10. This is a 2019 film that I saw for the first time April 1st, 2019. 
It is 88 minutes long. My brief summary, a rebellious stoner faces life with a carefree attitude. Has a 49% on Rotten Tomatoes when I last looked. I gave it a 54. It is directed by Harmony Corinne, starring Matthew McConaughey, Isla Fisher, Snoop Dogg, Zac Efron, Martin Lawrence, Jonah Hill, Jimmy Buffett, among others. And that is The Beach Bum. Uh, I think I mentioned this, maybe, in a previous episode. It's been almost two months now. But Beach Bum is an okay movie. It is an insane performance from Matthew McConaughey. Uh, crazy performances from most of the supporting cast as well. But Harmony Corinne's, you know, approach and uh, ideas and whatnot keep it, I don't know, so, so just enjoyable enough and, and, and you're in the story deep enough that you're absolutely curious where it's going and what's happening. It kind of plays like a sequence, uh, a, a handful of sequences of vignettes throughout its runtime. You know, there's a fairly significant event that happens early on, and then it's mostly just Moondog, Matthew McConaughey's character, um, meets a, meets somebody, they do a thing, he run, he leaves. Meets somebody else, they do a thing, he leaves. Meets somebody else, they do a thing. And that's enjoyable for what it is, and I, I, I think... McConaughey clearly enjoying himself and, and the cast, crew, Harmony Corinne having a lot of fun with this story, a lot of fun with these characters. and It does translate to the viewer. I think it, it does exist outside of the movie and, and it makes you, if, if you're willing to open yourself up to what this movie is and what this story is telling you, I think there's a lot of fun to be had. And Outside of that, it's... Uh, you know, it's it's largely unremarkable. Like I said, by by the nature of the story being told in vignettes, it's not a very um, continuous story. It, it it's broken up. It's chopped up. It, it does start, stop, start, stop, and the character decisions in this at, at times are just unfathomable, uh, and and some of the reactions are bizarre and crazy and. It does feel like these are less characters and more just caricatures of, of different things and, and tropes and people you might find out and about in the world. Uh, so, The Beach Bum, I gave it a 54. I think it's okay. And, uh, I don't know, it's probably... if You'll know, I think, before you see it whether or not this is a movie for you. And... Uh, if it is, I think you will very, very much enjoy The Beach Bum. So my number 10 is The Beach Bum from Harmony Corinne. Number 9 is a documentary. Uh, I saw this April 13th. It is also 88 minutes long. It is a 2018 film that I believe I watched on Amazon Prime. My summary, a Somali-American seeks political office against a 43-year incumbent. It has a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. I gave it a 56, directed by Nora Shapiro, uh, and that is Time for Ilhan. Uh, so Ilhan Omar 
it was at the time um, a a candidate for Minnesota's House of Representatives back in 2016. Uh, she is a first in a lot of different ways and has in you know since her time you know running for political office and and if you follow the news at all uh, succeeding in in unseating her opponent uh, she's you know been in the news quite a bit and not always for the best things and you know there's been a lot of remarks she's made that have been spinned spun and and taken out of context or or used against her she's advocated for and against some things that uh, are are very sensitive issues to a lot of people and you know she's made some waves in that regard and maybe you like her maybe you don't but either way she has certainly uh, made an impact in the political landscape uh, as a woman as a somali american woman and it is a pretty pretty big deal because not only did she win her her race for the house of representatives the person the one the other woman she was up against had been there for 43 years uh, i believe they say in the documentary that she is the longest standing uh you know representative or something to that effect uh in history or or active at the time at least and it kind of plays on this idea that if you've been there for that long, you deserve to be there as long as you want to be. Uh, you know, I, I, no one explicitly says that, but there's definitely this sense of, you know, Ilhan needs to wait her turn. You know, I have been here for this long. You know, who does she think she is? That kind of mentality. And man, I hate that. I really hate that. I, I think it's pompous arrogant and ultimately a a huge negative in on the country and on the politics in the country because you know you you could and and like this is a point that is brought up you know if you've been there for 43 years why haven't things gotten you know why are things not getting better and not that everything is worse now than it was 43 years ago obviously that's not true but many things are or many things are the same and you know the the idea here is why are we still relying on people and looking to the same people who have been in power and have been in office for 10 20 30 43 years to change something that hasn't changed or hasn't improved or hasn't gotten better and i think that's a very solid strong argument to make and so Time for Ilhan takes you into the campaign that Ilhan is running. Uh, it is a long campaign. It is full of a lot of ups and downs. She hits a lot of speed blocks and roadblocks along the way. It is not an easy trip. And I, I enjoyed seeing this turmoil and, and trial and tribulations through her eyes and through the eyes of her staffers. And we get to see her, you know, debate and converse and and talk policy as well as uh, we get looks into the other people uh you know running against her and it is it is a pretty interesting and and 
you know, monumental achievement that takes place. And I think, and I, I mean, I'm very glad that we were able to catch so much of it and, and turn it into this documentary. Now, again, I gave this a 56. I don't think it's an exceptional documentary. I think it's very straightforward. I think it's very um, obvious. It's not exactly nuanced and, and creative and unique from a documentary perspective. But I think it does a good job of showing us who Ilhan is what challenges she faced, how the campaign went, and, um, I, you know, it, it's on Amazon, I think, and uh, worth a look if, you know, I'm sure most of you have heard her name, but if you don't really know anything about her, this is one of the better places to start. So, uh, time for Ilhan. Uh, it, from 2018 is my number nine. Time for Ilhan. Number eight. I've talked about this already, so I won't talk, uh, go into it too much. But number eight, I saw April 4th, 2019. It's 130 minutes. It's a 2019 film. My summary, a boy is given the ability to turn into an adult superhero. Has a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. I gave it a 60. Directed by David F. Sandberg, starring Zachary Levi, Levy, Zachary Levi, Mark Strong, Asher Angel, Jack Dylan Grazer, Adam Brody, Jimon Hounsou, Megan Good, and others, is Shazam! Exclamation point. Uh, I, I thought Shazam was a fine, good movie. It is certainly, to me, the second best movie in uh, the DCEU behind Wonder Woman. Zachary Levi is a lot of fun, but he and uh, Asher Angel, their characters just kind of don't fit together. And, and so that kind of rubs me the wrong way. Uh, there are some disabled, uh, handicapped sentiments in this movie that are a little shaky and, and, and feel kind of like glossing over the issue and, and avoiding it or uh, to the extreme, you know, uh, working against it and, and sort of falsely correcting those sorts of things. It has some scary sequences involving the seven deadly sins and Mark Strong, who is the villain. But I don't know. It, it tries to be fresh and original. I think it's okay at doing that. I had fun watching it but it's not something I'm I'm particularly impressed by from a storytelling standpoint from a, a pacing standpoint it is a very poorly paced movie it is extremely long and it feels it I think the ending is a bit much and I think the movie doesn't need it it's over the top <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> it's over the top and kind of pushes things in a direction that the movie didn't need for me. I, I think they could have achieved the same sentiment at the end that they're looking for um, in a different and better way. But um, this is where we're at. This is this is Shazam. This is what's what's going on. So, like I said, Shazam. Uh, it's a fine movie. I, like, I gave it a 60. I think it barely crosses the threshold into good. And um, 
That's my number eight. Number eight. Number seven. This is a film I saw April 6th, 2019. It is 88 minutes long. It is a 2017 film. My summary, a young woman receives an invitation to fulfill her childhood dreams. It has a 58% on Rotten Tomatoes. I gave it a 63. It is directed by Brie Larson, starring Brie Larson, Samuel L. Jackson, Joan Cusack, Bradley Whitford, Mahmoud, Mamadou, Athi, Hamish Linklater, among others, Karen Sony, among others. And that is Unicorn Store. Uh, released on Netflix, so you can check it out there. I really like Unicorn Store. I don't think it's a great movie, but I think it's a lot of fun. I think it's doing something different, and I think Brie Larson made exactly the movie she was trying to make, both from a directing and acting standpoint. Uh, and yes, she did not write it. Uh, you know, it, it's your mileage may vary. It is a, a bit uh, otherworldly. It is a bit fantastical, but it is to the point and purposeful in, in its message and in its, you know, discussion about growth and growing up and maturing and coming of age and trying to sort of overcome the trappings of adult life. And we see that pretty, pretty straightforward and pretty obviously. And you know, I think Brie Larson's character, who is very much rooted in her childhood and in her in her naivete, is goes through a, a change in this movie and and grows and ages right in front of us. And I I thought, as kind of on the nose and blunt as this movie is about that theme, uh, it's still effective and it, and it still works and it's still successful at showcasing what that is and, and how that works and, and how it can be impacted by some people. And, uh, you know, the relationship that, you know, a 20 some year old has with their parents when they still live at home and they can't, you know, get a job and they aren't making any money or, you know, what that means when just, just trying to move on without losing you know, your innocence from childhood. And I think a lot of, a lot of us want that in a, in a way, and, and it's not easy to do. And sometimes you can't. So I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed Unicorn Store. I had fun with it. And I think it's worth looking, worth looking at, worth checking out. So my number seven from April is Unicorn Store. Unicorn Store, Brie Larson. Brie Larson. Number six. Another movie I've talked about a little bit. Did an episode on this. Uh, saw it April 11th, 2019. It is 86 minutes long. It is a 2019 film. Uh, my summary. An aspiring adventurer travels to the Pacific Northwest to discover the Sasquatch. It has an 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. I gave it a 63 uh, so it beats out Unicorn Store with its front tomato score tiebreaker. Directed by Chris Butler, starring the voices of Hugh Jackman, Zach Galifianakis, Zoe Saldana, Stephen Fry, Emma Thompson, Timothy Oliphant, Matt Lucas, 
David Williams, and more is Missing Link. Uh, and like I said in my review, I really like Hugh Jackman's voice. I like all the voice performances in this movie, really. Hugh Jackman is great. Zoe Saldana is great. Um, and I love Zoe Saldana's character. But my my primary reservation and what really holds this back from, I think, the heights of other Leica films is the story just, I don't know, it... it, it it seems to be running Jackman and Galifianakis as Lionel Frost and um, Susan parallel to each other, in a sense. And I don't feel as though the payoff at the end is... It just it, it didn't, didn't quite work for me. I think the humor... And the tone of the movie, it swings back and forth wildly from five years old to 20 years old. And I really wished it had picked a lane. I would have preferred it pick the 20-year-old lane. But even if it had all been, you know, more aimed at kids, and, and I think you probably have to change the story a little bit for that. But even in that instance, at least it would have been more consistent. It would have made more sense. It wouldn't have, you know, been so jarring swinging from a, a stupid joke to something a little more serious and, and um, philosophical and retrospective and introspective. I, I think that that really holds it back for me um, from being you know, one of the better Leica movies. And I think right now it's, it's at the bottom, bottom of that list. Uh, so, you know, it's, it is what it is. It's got some, there's a really great bar sequence uh, that's from the animation perspective, you know, it, it uh, from stop motion, man, it is, it is really, really well choreographed and Leica does an incredible job from in with their animation and, and missing link is certainly no, uh, not an outlier, uh, from that representation, uh, reputation. Um, I just think, uh, it could have been written a little stronger and I think the tone of it uh, really drags it down into this less than stellar uh, presentation. So, Missing Link is my number six, and uh, I gave it a 63. Missing Link. Number five, we have a short film, short film, short animated film that I saw April 12th. 2019 is seven minutes long. Uh, it is a 2019 film. My summary, a shepherd girl aids the circle of life. It has no score on Rotten Tomatoes. I gave it a 65. It is directed by Andy Gralzik. Gralzik? Gralzik? And um, it is called Spring. I believe you can find it on uh, online for free. I did. It's on uh, Short of the Week, the Short of, Short of the Week website. So, if you don't if you don't check that out, I, I would highly encourage it. They have a lot of great short films on Short of the Week uh, periodically, including some ultimately Oscar nominees. Uh, I think it's a great resource for for short films. Spring follows a girl, a shepherd girl, and her dog, who face down these giant ancient spirits 
And I think the story of it is a little unclear at times, definitely. But it's a wordless short. It is beautifully animated. And it's just, just clear enough for me, at least, that I feel comfortable um, just, uh, you know, understanding the message at, at hand. And uh, like I said, it's been a while since I've seen it, so <laughs> I'm not exactly positive, but I would definitely encourage, I think it's not on Shore of the Week. Uh, I think I watched it on Cartoon Brew. Eh. Sorry. difficulties okay um yeah i think i watched it on cartoon brew and i i just i don't know i found i was really you know kind of taken away with it i i let it you know kind of wash over me i fell into this world these huge creatures that are just very interestingly designed and i i, I really found them fascinating um you know, it just, it, it's a great looking short and I just, I think you should check it out. Give it a look. It's not exceptional. It's not amazing, but it does a lot of things really well. And I, I think it deserves a little recognition for it. So, um, spring. Number five. Number four is another short film. This one is from Short of the Week. I saw it April 13th, uh, 2019. It's 11 minutes long. It's a 2019 film. And my summary, a romance told in the style of adverts. No Rotten Tomato score. I gave it a 67. And this is Adman. Adman. So this is a pretty wild conceit. Um, but imagine if you just watched... Uh, how long? Eleven minutes worth of commercials, and each one included the same characters and slowly progressed their lives. That is Adman. It follows the meeting, falling in love, and and relationship of a, a man and a woman, told through various commercials for different things. Like if they move in together, it would be a commercial for a moving company, or you know this, that, and the other thing. And it, it's so clever. It's so witty. It's a lot of fun. It really relies heavily on its premise, and it's not too long that it overstays its welcome. I really, really had a lot of fun watching this. It was, it cracked me up. I laughed a lot, and um, yeah, I, I think it's really funny and and deserves this spot on the list. It it, it really is an enjoyable movie that. is something different it is something unique you know we haven't really seen this before the closest thing i would say to this would be something like logo rama which is just a bunch of you know um oh, what's the word icons and, and logos that interact and exist in a, their own kind of world and and that in and of itself was was exciting and, and did its own thing and this is in the same vein in a, in a way but but really does feel you know, it's it's unique and, and following its own path. I like Adman a lot. I think it's worth checking out if you can. Um, 
Adman. Short of the week. Give it a look. It's funny. It's just, it's really funny. Number three. Number three. Uh, this is a 2009 film. 2009. I saw it April 15th, 2019. It is 115 minutes long. My summary, a young, high-spirited woman becomes intrigued by a handsome poet. Rotten Tomatoes gave it an 82. I gave it a 67. It is directed by Jane Campion, starring Abby Cornish, Ben Wishaw, Paul Schneider, Carrie Fox, Eddie, Eddie Martin, Thomas Brody Sangster, Claudia Blakely, Blackley, among others. And that is Bright Star. You may have heard about this or not. It was nominated at the Oscars for a costume design award. And it follows Abby Cornish, who plays Fanny Braun, who becomes uh, kind of uh, smitten over Ben Wishaw's John Keats. And along the way, uh, there are complications in their burgeoning romance. Um, and a will-they-won't-they element. Uh, he is a poet. She reads a lot of poetry and has, you know, is, is very well-versed in, in poems and, and is able to kind of match him from a wordplay standpoint. And, and that is one of the strengths of this movie, which is the, the incredibly strong writing. Uh, it, it does feel like kind of a love and friendship movie with you know fantastic wit and and great interplay of dialogue and underneath that you still have this solid and strong romance that um, buds throughout the film Uh, there are layers of complications and layers of of conflict that I didn't always enjoy uh, particularly Paul Schneider, I was not a fan of him in this movie. I didn't like his performance or his role and, and how that came to be. I don't know how true, based on a true story, this is. Uh, and, and, you know, Campion wrote it as well as directed it. But if it is based on a true story, you know, that's fine. I, st- I mean, in that case, I would probably say you should probably you should cast somebody besides Paul Schneider. He, he just really stuck out to me. He didn't look the part the way the rest of the cast did. Um, so that, that was kind of my biggest drawback of the movie. And I think it... Mm, I don't know. I, I think it, it could have been a lot greater with, with somebody different in his role. That said, I still really like it. I gave it a 67. I think it's worth checking out. It is, you know, it's a, it's a nice romance drama film that it's able to feel, you know, I think I think the outcome of it is very obvious from the start. Another point against it, but the path to get there is still very enjoyable and and a lot of fun to walk so all in all it does feel very fresh in that sense and i liked it i like bright star i like bright star it is a good movie and if you happen to miss it when it came out 10 years ago uh 
give it a look. I think it might be on Netflix. It is definitely available on iTunes and Amazon. And um, yeah, Bright Star. That is my number three. Give it a 67. All right, little jump up here to the 70s with our number two. I saw this April 20th, 2019. It is 88 minutes long. A lot of the movies in this list are 88 minutes long. It is from 2018. My summary, a shy teenager dreams of pop stardom and enters a singing competition. It has a 72% on Rotten Tomatoes. I gave it a 70. It is directed by Max Minghella, starring Elle Fanning, Rebecca Hall, Zlatko Burek, Millie Brady, among others, and that is Teen Spirit. Now, it entered theaters in the U.S. this year, but it is a 2018 film uh, from its previous festival and perhaps international releases, uh, following Elle Fanning as Violet Valensky, shy teenager. She enters a singing competition, which is tough. The singing competition is called Teen Spirit. And it doesn't play out like... I've seen a lot of singing competitions. The Voice and X Factor and and so on. It doesn't play out too similarly similarly to those. uh, Unless everything that... Most everything that happens in this is different from... Or is, is just like behind the scenes from other singing competitions. But essentially it's audition. You get a call back. You do a showdown. If you win the showdown, you make it to the final. It's bada bing, bada bing, bada boom. Uh, and so maybe it's just kind of more of a local thing and, and not as much of a national, international type of affair. Which is fine. Uh, Elle Fanning, you know, in her spare time, goes to sing at like a bar and does very well. She is a good voice. I, I really enjoyed all of the all of the scenes where she is singing. It's it's really Max Minghella and and what he does in those moments is he cuts. He has these really jarring cuts that take us from her singing at the bar to her singing in her own room to her singing in this place to her singing in that place and kind of interlaces them all together, and I really liked it. And then the other, so like, and then he also interlaces the song with, with some sort of backstory, some sort of, um, you know, emotionally driven dramatic sequence that's cut through all these other moments where she's singing the same song. And I found that to be really exciting, uh, really impactful because you don't only get the song layered throughout all these different moments of her life. You get the song over top of this, oh, this is explaining why her relationship with her mother is the way it is. This is explaining why she feels this way about herself, about her voice, about whatever. And those are the strongest scenes in the movie for me. I, I thought those were fantastic. There's three primary uh scenes or maybe there's four there's four primary scenes where she sings and i i thought all of them were um exceptional those were the best moments um i mentioned zlatko burick who i think this is only the second film i've seen him in he is fabulous <laughs> he plays uh the unlikely mentor to violet Ven- Venales- um valensky and he is vladimir 
Brakovic, Brashkovic, Brashkovic. Uh, you know, he's very old. You know, he used to be, I think he used to be an opera singer. And he kind of mentors uh, Violet and helps her out when, you know, her mom is unable. And he was just so much fun in this movie. His relationship with Elle Fanning, with Violet, is probably my favorite in the movie. I think that dynamic between the two of them, you know, she, this young woman who is, you know, reaching for a life that he once had, at least in, in sort of the stardom element, and he, this, who, who is certainly still able to recognize talent and certainly still able to to foster it and, and enough is imparting this wisdom and, and you know this is a relationship we've seen so many so many so many so many so many times but El Fanning and Zlatko Burek get bring so much to these roles and I think they elevate it far above where it otherwise would have landed so Max Minghella uh, does a good job Fanning and Burek do a great job. I really enjoyed Teen Spirit and um, was really glad to get to watch it. I got to see it in theaters. It was in theaters for a short period of time. Um, so that's my number two, Teen Spirit. Starring Elle Fanning, I gave it a 70. Which brings us to our number one. The lowest rated, quote-unquote, number one uh, I've done in one of these lists. But again, uh, we are missing... You know, this is this number one is actually number eleven, number eleven overall because it's movies. It's all other movies that were in um, my scavenger hunt. Number one, I watched it April thirteenth, thousand nineteen. It's fifty-one minutes long. Uh, it is a twenty nineteen film. Brief summary: A tropical musician plans to steal his way to the good life. Has an 82% on Rotten Tomatoes. I gave it a 71. Directed by Hiro Mirai. Starring Donald Glover, Rihanna, Letitia Wright, Nunso Anadzi, among others. And that is Guava Island. Mentioned this already, I believe. Uh, but it's kind of a musical. Kind of just a showcase for Donald Glover to, you know, sing his music and, you know, be his sort of roguish guitar toting self and it's a lot of fun you know just you know for what it is it is a lot of fun it gets into you know the one dramatic beat that a couple of dramatic beats but the main dramatic beat of the film follows uh nonso a nazi who kind of runs the island he is the big boss and his 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 it's not really a first world problem given where the movie takes place but the analog of that being that he doesn't want his workers to miss work on Sunday and Donald Glover as Denny is putting on a, sh- a concert Saturday night and so if everyone shows up at the concert they'll sleep in on Sunday they'll miss some other work or all other work and uh, it's not good for not so Nazi a Nazi not so anazi anazi so that's kind of the the push and pull of this movie which is 
how can you stand up against someone like him uh, to do something you love, to do something that everyone else wants to, to experience, to see, to hear, knowing that the outcome could be very bad, uh, not just for you, but, you know, he has a girlfriend played by Rihanna and, you know, a lot of the other workers, you know, what what's going to happen to them if this goes through? And I really like that you know, it's a very surface level, superficial, cursory approach to this idea, but it's it's a rewarding one. It's a it's a meaningful one and it's an important element, you know. We live in a society where so many people throw away happiness, throw away joy, throw away what they love to to kind of commit to work and to to bow to the the wants and needs of others and I think that they shouldn't you know it's this is an unreasonable person asking for an unreasonable result and expecting that Denny is just going to go along with it and whether or not he does you know check it out it's on Amazon it's very short, like I said, only 50 minutes or so, but it does, you know, hit home on this topic and, and really show that if, if you value something, if you, if you care about something, if it, if it matters to you, that you should just do it. Like, it's so simple and it's obviously something, you know, maybe your parents have told you or, or a counselor or friend or family or whatever, you know, follow your bliss. And this is kind of a simple interpretation of that almost, but it's also showing it from a different point of view in that this is more than just, you know, follow your dreams. It's, you know, this is the real consequences to, to following through with this concert. And when you're told point blank, don't do this, you know, I'm watching you and, and so on. It's not easy to just kind of ignore that when it's sitting in the back of your head and you're aware that there are going to be repercussions, there are going to be consequences. And, you know, you have to make a choice, make a decision. I really liked Guava Island. I thought it was a, a, a fun and worthy entry into the Donald Glover canon. And um, I think it's worth checking out. It looks good. It has this old time feel to it, but it does have, it does look really good. It sounds great. The songs are good. Uh, you know, my biggest, my biggest frustration is that Rihanna doesn't sing. That is the biggest issue to me. And it doesn't make any sense why you put her in this movie to not let her sing when it's a musical. But um, who knows? I wasn't there. Who knows? Guava Island, number one of this list of top ten movies I watched for the first time in April that also weren't on my scavenger hunt. And maybe I, mess, I might have missed one 
in there or something but that is roughly what the top 10 of those list that list was so looking back through uh reiterating we got the beach bum time for ilhan shazam unicorn store missing link spring adman bright star uh, teen spirit and finally guava island thank you for listening to today's episode it does mean a lot if you would like to follow me you can find me on twitter at circle of film letterboxd at circle of film send me an email circlefilm at gmail.com if you would like to uh, support the show like rate review subscribe or go to patreon.com slash circle film you can subscribe become a patron for as little as eight cents an episode you can also find all previous episodes on the website circleoffilm.com as many as well as many other top 10 lists uh, and things such as that uh, things of that nature thank you once more for listening to today's episode and as always have a week so long Even as she fades from view. So long, farewell, I'll be to say adieu. In the name of love, one night in the name of love. So long, farewell, oh, what I'll be to say. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So long.